Hello authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of Short Nonfiction for Authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively, and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. authors. I hope you're all keeping well in whatever part of the world you reside and listen to the podcast in. Today's interview is with fantasy and sci-fi author and enthusiast Alex Holland and he chats to us about his epic fantasy books and what and how they incorporate the Enuma Elish Ray Kurzweil predictions, Star Wars, Jane Elliott's Blue Eyes and Brown Eyes Experiment and Game of Thrones themes. Alex also shares his writing publishing adventure and advice on perfecting writing styles and using AI tools and more. So in my author adventure this week, it's been much the same as last. My children's fiction is still out on submission and my non-fiction books are still available for sale if anyone is keen to learn more about author fears and how to overcome them. Or if you're setting up a freelance writing startup, check out Freelance Writing Quick Tips for Fast Success, which shares 60 plus quick tips on aspects to place you in the pro position before you've met with your first client. I haven't actively been marketing my books, but I have, however, been writing up a storm in my women's fiction project, which I am only sharing the ins and outs, the ups and downs, the side to sides in my newsletter. So if you're keen to know more about these works, you can head on over to the Hybrid Author website, hybridauthor.com.au and sign up for your free author pass, where you'll instantly receive a 14 page document, yours to keep outlining how to go about discovering your writing process, publishing productively and getting comfortable promoting you and your work as a hybrid author, which is both independently and traditionally producing your books, as well as fortnightly newsletters from me with insights into my women's fiction rapid release experimental project and hybrid author musings I share nowhere else. In caravan plans! On Monday, we left Caratha and travelled five hours onto 80 Mile Beach for three nights. And all I can say about this place, 80 Mile Beach, if you've never been before, you have to go. It's truly a life-altering experience, I feel. If there is an afterlife or a heaven, this part of the world is what I imagine it would be like. The sunsets are nothing like I've ever seen before. It's one of the best beaches I've ever been to. The shells are the sizes of watermelons. They're just massive. And the shells cover the beach. And it's it's not hard to walk on. There's obviously soft sand and things like that. But when the water comes up over the waves, there's this clacking noise because it's rushing over the shells and moving them. And it's just, it's amazing. And we've seen dolphins and, uh, you know, there was butterflies flying around and... It was just incredible and uh, I'll be posting a lot of pictures on my social handles this week uh, showcasing this place. It was just really vibrant and amazing. The only thing about it that was a little bit hard to take and we arrived, it was dark and uh, the bugs, (laughs) 
there were so many bugs. Uh, the dragonflies are like the size of your palm. They're huge. And I mean, dragonflies are, to me, they're friendly, you know, little helicopters that zip around and they don't scare me as much. I don't want them near me though, you know, if they come too close, it's kind of like, ah. And uh, obviously at night, there's the moths and midges and there was some spiders. So it was a little bit, um, my kids were kind of climbing the roof and we were killing things left, right and center. Yeah, it was all, all part of the fun. The next night, we were obviously more seasoned to keep things shut and lights off and uh, just got on with it as well so no it was great it's an amazing place so we are have arrived today in Broome which was five hours again five hours seems to be our sweet spot for driving I uh, can't say much about this place because I've just arrived apart from when I was about 19 I was going to apply for a job up here so it's always been a bucket list of mine to come here and uh, experience it and uh yeah, most of my writing so far I've actually been doing on these drives, uh, five hours in the car. It helps to know what my scenes are going to be for that, you know, and just be able to get on with the writing. So if you love the podcast or any of the episodes have helped you further in your author career, you can now pay it forward by buying me a coffee over at buymeacoffee.com slash the hybrid author. Let's all support each other. Alex Holland is a lifelong lover of sci-fi and fantasy, raised on Tolkien, Final Fantasy VII, Monty Python, and mountains of movies, books, and video games. He's always loved stories, the telling of them, and how they can move and shape us as human beings. In his later years, Alex fell in love with the psychology and the writing of stories, like the Hero's Journey framework from Joseph Campbell. After many, many years of consuming, Alex took the plunge and made something that combined everything he loves into his sci-fi fantasy series, The Prism Hexology. Welcome to the Hybrid Author Podcast, Alex! Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. Oh, we're thrilled to have you. So we'll just dive right in. And obviously from your bio, we can tell you've got a massive love for the fantasy and sci-fi genres. But can you tell us how did you take that plunge, that leap from, you know, having that love, that passion, turning it into something professional, like writing the book and, and obviously publishing as well, getting into that? Because I'd been such a consumer of this content over so, so many years, I had come up with a lot of different ideas and concepts that I always thought was going to be really cool in that I wished it was like this or I wished it was like that. When I read and watched sci-fi content, I'm like, this is great, but it's so technical. I'm like, oh, can we just make it a bit more interesting? I'm just waiting for like when you watch a, a Game of Thrones, you're like, who's going to die next? Like, this is exciting. But then on that side, that also has a problem because it's like, oh, this is so boring. I'm just waiting for someone to die. Like, can this like hurry up, please? So from the sci-fi side, you've got too much kind of technicality and too much kind of fluff that goes over people's heads. And then on the fantasy side, you're like, why is everyone just talking? And why is there so much time spent describing the landscape? Like, can we just get on with this? So for me, putting those two together, finding something that was the sweet spot in that what I wanted to see and what I wanted to create didn't exist. So I'm like, well, then I have to make this. Like, this is up to me. As a 15-year-old 
builder's laborer, I daydreamed on a way back from the shift that the whole world turned blue, like the trees, the ground, the buildings, everything turned blue. And then what would happen if someone was yellow within that world? How would they exist? How would they get around? This idea stuck with me since since I was 15 and now 36. And it's taken a lot of consumption of content and different frameworks and borrowing from lots of different places to finally kind of get to that end point of this book of, of what it is, as well as the subsequent ones that will follow. So it's, yeah, a, a long answer to a short question, but certainly finding something that's not as technical and not as fantasy and kind of finding that sweet spot right in the middle. Yeah, that's amazing to have such a an epic idea like that, I guess, at such a young age. So obviously it stayed with you up to now. Was that just thinking about it in your mind or were you actually actively writing it and things or, you know, picking it up, putting it down and different things would come at different stages of your life? And What I thought I was writing at the start when I began, what I believed at the time was going to be the first as it evolved and as I thought about it and as this world expanded in my mind of the different colours that could exist, because if there's a blue world, then there's a yellow world, right? And then if there's a yellow world, there's a red one and there's a green one and then you get your whole arc of a whole um, rainbow of, of colours and the respective worlds that exist in that. And I came about three quarters way of writing what I thought was the first book it actually turned out to be the fourth. So I parked it and then I went all the way back to the start of writing, which was primary, which is the beginning of the story. So I actually started with a different antagonist, a different protagonist in the fourth story, and I wound it all the way back and went, bugger, okay, I'm going to have <laughs> to leave this, leave, leave all my characters and all the development of where I was and start from the beginning and it actually was very beneficial because I became a better writer because of it if I have a look at my drafts for fourth story I'll definitely need to to become better because as you would note the authors it's a muscle if you continually use it then you get better at it and you can condense and you can articulate your points a lot faster so yeah from from when I started it evolved and the world expanded and what I thought was only going to be one book expanded out to six. Wow, that's amazing. Starting with the what you thought was the first, but then was the fourth. Maybe, mm. maybe, maybe the fourth is the first, and then the first is the fourth. That's kind <laughs> that of makes the sense. Because the, <laughs> the cool thing about colors and and tying into this as we kind of step along, we have, uh, I like playing with the idea of black and white in that where where there's a rainbow of colors there's also positives and negatives and so i want to play with that concept across the six in that there's an arc that happens across one two and three that's relating to white and then there's an arc of four five and six that's relating to black and it ties into when we talk about the mesopotamian creation myth um around the two colors and that it's the they talk about the um we have the the dower symbol of the yin and yang that's kind of playing across this the whole spectrum of the six in that when the 
one, two, and three plays around with the the white symbol around the kind of the the feminine trait, and then uh, sorry the the male trait, and then we get into the black side, which is the feminine trait. So we can get into that. As we, as we <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you're quite a visual writer, and obviously you're saying mm. you know throughout the progression of the work and stuff, and and writing being like a muscle. So have you just perfected your writing style by doing the work and writing, rewriting things like that, or have you been part of writers groups or done anything like that or I realized that I was terrible at writing as soon as I started um, <laughs> and I had to work at it and so finding uh, resources like bird by bird and draft number four were wonderful in that it helped me understand that the first time that you do something or certainly the first time that you write a draft it's going to be terrible and that's completely okay because you're crafting this this whole thing as a as a, a it's a, a slab right and as you do the second version of it then you start to kind of chisel into it and it starts to form and then the third and then it gets even better so certainly understanding that process that it's okay for it to not be great from the get-go that was a big obstacle that I needed to overcome because I was writing and it wasn't good and I'm like I can't do anything with this this is terrible and educating myself on that's actually part of it like that's part of how you make something great is not that it's not instantly great it becomes great over time as you refine it as you iterate on it as you think about different words and different ways and take ideas and drop ideas being okay with that process and I guess learning that process was super healthy and I'm very fortunate that when I started writing the fourth, I was able to go back and start the first with everything that I had learned. And then I suspecting as I'm progressing through the other ones as well, it should get better and better. Yeah, no, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head there. Like, cause I can, I think, especially just starting with some beginner writers as well, that can almost be a block and they think, oh, well, Massively. this is crap. I can't go anywhere. Right. I can't do anything. And yeah, absolutely. I, I remember when I first started, oh, gosh, I used to go back and reread everything and it was the writing that I fixated on and it had to be perfect. Mm. And it took, took ages. It was, yeah. <laughs> now, now it's a pile of sludge and it's Seriously. go, go, go. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Like write, write for the rubbish bin. I've heard it said. Like just, just, oh, just get cool. it out. Yeah. Get it, get it out of yeah. you, and like treat it in such a way that it's not even worthy of typing it yet. Like yeah. I love Neil Neil Gaiman's. Like I'm not even going to go near a computer yet with this idea. I'm just going to write it down. Just try and get like, like a rough sketch outline, and then if it's worth anything, then you'll progress it up to these different stages. Yeah, yeah. you have to. You have to get it out of your head first to see if it's there's anything here to begin with, and you're not going to make it perfect from the get go. Not even, not no. even, not a chance. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, so yeah, please tell us about the book. You know, primary. So that's book one, and it yes. blends the Enuma Elish Ray Kurzweil predictions, Star Wars, Jane Elliott's Blue Eyes and Brown Eyes experiment, and Game of Thrones themes. So it sounds like it's got a bit of everything there, and you might want to share what a bit of everything is because for people sure. like myself, I'm not sure what half that stuff is, but it sounds intriguing. So, yeah, please you can tell, tell us. <laughs> You can tell I've consumed quite a large amount of content and yeah. have, um, like all great artists, I've, I've stolen from lots of different places, as as you should, and then just kind of smash them all together. So 
like I was I was kind of talking about the the themes across the six books of black and white. So the Enuma Elish is the the Mesopotamian creation myth in that it's one of the older stories we uh, known to, to to us as as humans in that from a long long time ago there was two ancient gods one black one white and they gave birth to smaller gods and from that point the elder gods as the the one and two the black and white didn't like the elder the the younger ones and so there's a a rise of a hero to kind of conquer these two black and white gods and it's a very similar story around when vice and virtue are together without virtue we slide into vice and that's another core theme that I'm kind of playing with around the the prism hexology overall in that the first three kind of play on virtue and then when his virtue is taken away which is what happens in the creation myth is that the the white god the uh, abzu is his name is killed then comes the flood which is black around the the rise of Tiamat which is the the female side so kind of kind of spoiling somewhat of the story overall but playing with those themes playing with some of the names in the uh, Enuma Elish so the the main hero in the Enuma Elish is called Marduk and I've flipped that in um in primary and called the the last character's last name is Dumas so I'm playing with those themes across the whole six of the books to to give us to, to spoil exactly what's going to happen, but <laughs> certainly playing with that because it's fun and it's like okay I can I can work with some of this here. Throwing in that there's an, a man named Ray Kurzweil who is known as the Nostradamus of today. In that since 1978 he has had a 97% success rate of the predictions of what we will create as humans. So he called the rise of internet, he called the rise of mobile phones, he's called the rise of all these different things with a staggering success rate. What he is getting into next is some really wonderfully crazy stuff, which makes for great content for for books. But the core theme for my main character is from The Singularity, which is a book by Ray Kurzweil. It ran, man in 2048 will create something that exceeds him. So we will create that next evolution in ourselves. And so Kobe, uh, my main character, is that. He is that next evolution, but he doesn't know it. So he goes on this, embarks on this crazy journey to this alternate earth to discover what he is and who he is. So that's the Ray Kurzweil aspect. The Star Wars aspect growing up and consuming far too much Star Wars, <laughs> you, it's, it's fun to have a little bit of magic in there and tying that magic with technology is, is a brilliant way that George Lucas did it in that it was believable enough and fun enough for it to be taken and, well, it, speaks for itself of how successful it is in that you're hitting people right in the a really good spot of not too technical not too fantasy just right in that nice little sweet spot and that's similar to to kind of the some of the core themes that I want to play around with around I've got in the name the prism hexology I'm playing around with geometry in that every book is called a vertex so in a prism in a triangular prism there is six vertices and in the story my weapons that I have, which are Star Wars related, are called edges. And there's nine edges. 
So these edges are colors of the rainbow as well as black and white. And so these edges are kind of the uh, the force or the uh, lightsaber kind of equivalents in that you can kind of, if, if wielded by the right person, they can transform into these crazy weapons. So that's something else fun to play with around. Jane Elliott's blue eye, brown eye experiment was, I stumbled across it uh, watching an interview with one of the guys from Run the Jewels, a, a band that I love. He... He shared this and I, and I watched it. It's this American school teacher who divided a classroom based on the color of their eyes rather than the color of their skin. And it's such a powerful statement around how we judge people or how we can judge people by seemingly arbitrary um, notions, right? And so in the experiment, she's like, all the blue eyed people are superior. And it's like, whoa, okay, that's a really powerful thing to observe and so playing with that premise if I've got a world that's divided by different colors I've got red city of imperial in the south I've got uh, Leanne Saroon the underwater city in the west the air city of Reinhardt in the east how do I sorry flipped never eat soggy wheat bigs got my things around the wrong way (laughs) How does each of those different colors treat each other? If we're saying, or in the story, each of the cities that are, are there, the main cities, the people inside them embody that color. They have the hair of that color. They have the eyes of that color and they resent other colors based on that. I make zero mention of skin color because I want to kind of expand upon this notion of what would it be like in a world that was separated by color in the notion of eye and hair so that's one that I kind of expanded out as part of that and then for the Game of Thrones aspect I loved the pacing around jumping from character to character in that it kind of had that beautiful continuation of what's Danny doing oh what's John doing oh what's Tyrion up to and you're captivated by that story right rather than having a single narrative thread which is fine if you can nail it and uh, you have that perspective of that that person that that's worked for for so many but Lord of the Rings did a great job of it Game of Thrones did a great job of it and you I, I loved it in that it kept the pacing up and kept things moving certainly with the story that I have I've got along with Kobe I've got two other side protagonists Ruby and Solomon who go to so the three characters go to the three main worlds, but they don't go. Kobe, the main character, doesn't go to where he's supposed to go. And so it kind of plays on that yellow person in that blue world kind of theory. But Ruby, who has red hair, goes to the red city and Solomon, who has yellow hair, goes to yellow city. And it's that kind of little play around to see what it's like if you exist in that, if you have the right color how you would exist and what it would be like and then from there I would love to expand outwards to go well I haven't touched green I haven't touched blue I haven't touched purple I haven't touched violet I need to to play with those two so certainly expanding outwards into the subsequent stories will be a lot of fun because I get to well I get to kind of drop different people in different places and does it match the right color? Is it the opposite color? Those kind of things will be, yeah, a lot of fun. Wow. 
that sounds absolutely incredible and uh yeah I love the concepts and I do like how you're playing with them and including them all and I think that's it's almost got something for everyone it's really really onto a winner there I think I can relate to the Game of Thrones I was a big Game of Thrones fan and I agree I love the different storytellings and I was always sad when like you know most of them got killed off or something <laughs> but what comes to mind I guess when you when you're telling us all that I suppose and especially because it's it's quite a it's quite a lot and it's quite a an epic series as well Mm. I, I imagine pacing would be quite a big thing with writing these books out, you know, especially if you've got a couple of characters on the go and thinking about, you know, you've been with this one for so long and yeah, what's happening with that one? Have you been with that one too long? Like, you know, is that, mm. have you come up against anything writing in that, in that regard with pacing or? It's an interesting one. I, I'm kind of playing around a little bit with time around how I can keep it interesting, but progress things at the same time I loved always loved at the preface of the Game of Thrones story to say that you know things can move really quickly in like one page or we can move a whole um, army in several pages like uh, they have that nice little kind of preface which I think is something that I'm going to need to lean into around how how to keep things moving but it makes sense at the same time as I expand out into other characters so in primary I just focus on the three and if I am to expand outwards, it's going to be an interesting one of how how to drop feed into new characters and maybe ends of arcs or beginnings of arcs, whatever way um, I, I want to kind of slice it up. It is one that I'm conscious of, of. How do I keep it interesting? But yes, to your point, we've been with this person for too long. Okay, like what's yeah. happening over here? Or maybe we need to stay with this person a little bit longer because that previous chapter was a real cliffhanger and maybe you can just leave it and kind of drag it yeah. a little bit because like, <laughs> I want to get back to Danny I want to get back to Danny like what's happening with Danny yeah. um, that that's something I think fun to play around with with what I have right now with certainly with primary it's just kind of jumps from the uh, on the start of each of the the chapters I have the alchemy symbol for where they are so for ruby it's fire for solomon it's air and for kobe it's water so I just kind of jump between those three. When I'm getting into yeah the subsequent stories, I'll need to think about, okay, we need two airs maybe in a row and then maybe just a single fire and then maybe we can leave it and then we can get into Earth around. We need to play around with some of the, the green characters or whatever the case may be. It'll be one that um, I'll look forward to kind of playing with and seeing which way it makes sense so as to keep things interesting but not to tease too much mm, yeah i suppose it just obviously boils down i guess to plot and structure there and having mm. i can imagine that you've you've got a big timeline probably in your house or on your computer of everything and uh <laughs> um, if i go if i go from book one to book six I'm going from 1982 to 2048 wow <laughs> so i'll I'll have a lot of range to play around with and how to what I've what I've got going is the core theme is every 21 years a wormhole opens to another alternate earth and so this is the transport that they have um but it only opens for three days and then it shuts so I'm telling my stories across so primary is the first day that they go there they go in they go out that's the end of um, book one Book two, in and out. Book three, in and out, closed 21 years later. 
book four starts. That's crazy. <laughs> no, that all sounds amazing. And, uh, you, you know, you can tell you've got an absolute passion for it. Can you share, you know, what's been some of the hardest or best parts of this writing and publishing, you know, of your fantasy <laughs> books? Has there, is it all been fun play or has there been a few, few bumps in the road? Definitely bumps. I think the, the learning to be an author or, or certainly um, starting off, you do have that imposter syndrome of that. I can't do this. Like, how do I, like, no, this is terrible. Like this, this can't be, this isn't any good. I thought you're supposed to write amazing thing from the get go. That journey was probably one of the better parts, a challenging part, but one of the better parts to, I guess, to uncover and come with a bit of an answer and hear from people who are seasoned to go yeah just like your first one's trash like that's okay like just just go again and do it four times and then maybe you'll have something that you can show your friends what i think the best part uh, of of learning it was learning to connect the objective of writing a book to the daily action that i needed to take to make it happen for a long time i fantasized of the concept of having the book a reality, but wasn't actually taking any steps to make it a reality, right? So I had this, it was almost a similar notion of if I step on the scales, maybe it'll just show me the weight that I want to be. <laughs> we would love that. <laughs> How good would that be? That's, it's, it's a lag measure. So a lag measure is something that you cannot change. It's like your bank balance it's your weight it's a book you can't influence what that static kind of number is or object is right educating myself to go okay i need to be focusing on lead measure it's like what can i do today that influences that lag so if i want my book by x date and i am aiming for a hundred thousand words as a nice kind of benchmark how many words do i need to write a day and just do that and then do that again, that again, next day, next day, next day, next day. And then my book came to me. Like it was as simplistic as that, as taking a really big idea, the macro idea, breaking it down to its micro, what is it that I need to do right here, right now, today, and then doing that same thing again repeatedly. And if you get, say it was 50 words a day across X number of months to get to where I want it to be, it was okay if I just hit 50. It was okay if I just hit 500. As long as I was making that consistent progress daily, I knew I was going to get to where I wanted to be. And I think that was one of the best parts to uncover. And certainly for, for other writers, if you have an idea to write a book, just break it down to when do you want it by, how many words you want it to be, and just go for it and just go for a daily a daily number of words. Yeah, and just would do you- that. Would you say like a realistic number with everything someone's got in a plate? Because uh, I'm I'm very guilty of this as well. It's like, right, I want it by this day. I have to have this mm. amount. But it usually is unrealistic to my life and pace and everything else I've got. Sure. On. But like you said, if you if you set a goal that's that's been like fifty words a day, and usually people are like, oh, I can do that, and then they exceed that. So, and I right. believe I believe the same as yourself. Like small, little, small actions, small like equate, yeah, big, big goals. It's huge. <laughs> It's huge. And it compounds over time. Like you're not just getting better at, you're not just making progress at the book. You're making progress at being a better writer. You're better at managing your own time. And if you keep that barrier for entry relatively realistic, 
then you're going to hit it every time. This is, and I love the, the concept of, of, um, of psychology in that. And there's a guy, BJ Fogg, who talks about tiny habits in that if you set yourself a, a habit of that's achievable every day, then you're going to do it. Like if you say, I'm just going to do two push-ups today, yeah. you can do two push-ups. Like, but if you say, I'm going to do 2000, you're like, oh, the problem's too big. And then you just like, I'm just going to give yeah. up. But if you just set yourself within what you know, within the constraints of your life, if you've got, if you've got kids or if you've got circumstances that you're like, okay, I need to you know, maybe move, I could bump it to 100 or I could bump it to 200 or I need to drop it right back to 25. Everyone's different. But as long as you're hitting that consistently, you'll be amazed at where you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's absolutely good advice there. And what about the publishing aspect? So we've talked about the writing and things like that. So how, how did you come to publish the book and how did you find that? That was fun. It was an interesting moment where I had finished it and I'm like, what do I do now? And so going through all the going through the the gambit of like the vanity publishers it's like if you pay us three thousand dollars we'll publish it i'm like no that doesn't sound like a good deal um (laughs) or or the the many kind of knockbacks from kind of traditional publishers i'm very fortunate that it's taken me as long as it has because of the rise of self-publishing now in that i educated myself on how to do it and so how it's so easy in that of if you've got an idea the to upload to like amazon kdp is just like a snap like it's so simple there's people on fiverr or um or, or equivalent websites who can help you with your cover they can help you with revisions they can help you with editing so i found this awesome girl named bell on fiverr who tore my book apart uh, in the best possible way. She's like, this is shit. That's crap. Sorry. Um, those And, and um, an editorial process? An editorial yeah. process. Okay. She was great. She's like, you know, I've, I've done this kind of stuff before and she absolutely tore it shreds. I'm like, this is great. Like, this is wonderful <laughs> because it gets better. And because you've been in this own little bubble of like, oh, my stuff's the best. And to have someone from the outside kind of just tear it apart it's been, mm-hmm. was great. Also, what was what was cool with certainly with the timing of of uh, of me launching my book is there's a lot of AI technology now that can help and so what I what I did and and we can touch upon it in some of the marketing kind of aspects is I put my entire book in an AI text to speech um, tool in that I could hear it read back to me and and so I'm like I'm listening to it I'm like that sounds terrible I can change that um, or oh, this doesn't quite make sense it's there's a there's a difference of perspective when you hear it read out loud and certainly having that even if it was slightly sounding a little bit robotic it was certainly very valuable in getting it ready to be published because yeah. it was like these final little tweaks and edits that I could make to it as well as that combining with the rise of of AI text-to-speech there's also a wonderful tool called Midjourney which makes a prompt to whatever prompt you kind of put in, it can make an uh, an image of that. And so my front cover of primary is a prompt that I put in mid journey. I think I put in greed, greed, which is the, the, the kind of core theme of the book, greed, dragon, ring city. 
and it just came up with this stunning image. I'm like, yeah, it's it. amazing. Your cover is really cool. Yeah, that's it. I'm like, that's that's brilliant. Um, and so I'm like, oh, let's just use that. I'll just slap primary on the front of that, and my name, and, and away we go. And I've done it for the subsequent books as well. I'm like, yep, that's it. Next. Okay, yep, that's it. Next. It's so cool. A lot of these technology, these AI tools that are around to to help me publish and and people who are there to to help. So. I employed a, a, another person on Fiverr to help me kind of format it and get it to be the right shape so that it was ready for print on demand. It's so simple to to just reach out and just ask for help now to to get you over to to have the the book physically, you know, in your hand and and to share it. It's it's really cool. Yeah, that's amazing, and it's great that everything has uh, come together for you so quickly. I think for some people, they can find it quite hard. But um, yeah, hearing more about like AI tools, I haven't played around with it myself, but I do use the oh, what is it? The read aloud button on like Word that reads back to me, and I have to some it's of the cool, isn't it? So, well, some of the accents, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's terrible. <laughs> and and in some of the paragraphs, it starts with one accent and it swaps to another, and I'm like, oh, like it's oh, really? very strange. But I'm the same. You hear what you hear is. is really vital to to your work yes. i think for sure and the editing process but i've never did the cover thing so yeah that's quite interesting have a play yeah. if, <laughs> if you're looking for a front cover just like pick your core themes of the book and just like put them together and just see what it spits out crazy to to, to think that this is just you know tip of the iceberg like for and we haven't even like touched upon chat gpt with like yeah. write me what's the uh, I'd heard the new version that's coming out, ChatGPT4, which is basically like you can write it a prompt and it can generate anything that you ask for it. So if you want like a, a script of, you know, the next Star Wars movie, it can write one for you. Mm. It wrote on a single prompt a 60,000 word novel <laughs> on like a one sentence. It's just like, that's crazy. crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And this is like tip of the iceberg. So, um, yeah, some exciting stuff. Yeah, that's it. Well, it sounds like the self-publishing journey was fun and and, and not too mm. bad. So you you don't have any do's or don'ts to share with first-time authors? Just play. Be. I think, I think play. Certainly steer away from the vanities. That's that's definitely strong advice. If someone's asking you to pay money to them to publish your book, don't do that. I think I... Um, I've got some some friends like there is sharks out there for sure. But I've have some mm. friends who sometimes the the traditional publishers are starting now to I guess, I guess what you would call a vanity print, but do like a hybrid publishing where they're working okay. with authors to pay. But it's still massive amounts of money. And then I would just say mm. to people, be wary for what you're getting for that you know like what what yes. are you actually getting for your money because like you said you can do it for a fraction of the price yourself you but some mm. people yeah they just they don't want to learn or they don't want to you know if they're not technically technically savvy and, and all that sort of stuff they will kind of fork out but yeah there is some out there that's not too bad but some some good. sharks yeah it's it's probably you know do what kind of makes sense for you to do mm. i was wary and, and certainly with the, one of the, the core themes I have is that the characters go to a music festival and I have real real world kind of bands and artists performing there and I'm like what if they don't like that and they come after me what you can do is you can start your own publishing company to publish your books under so that would be a high recommendation and certainly the the videos and the literature that I've read is that's the steer around if you want to go down the path of self-publishing is to set up your own company so you can publish it underneath it so if anything goes sideways they can go to the company they don't go for your stuff 
Yeah. Um, that's <laughs> that's that's a that's a strong steer, as well as getting your own ISBN numbers so that you don't have to kind of worry about the the problems of oh I've published it over here on Amazon and I've published it over here on Ingram Spark, but I can't make them kind of talk to each other. And then there's the different formats. Just for, for I think it's for Australia, it's the Thorpe and Walker. Um, I say Boker, but yeah, I think Bowker. it's, but I don't know if it's probably not that. But yeah. It's, it's, it's very cost effective to do it that way. Just have your own. It's yours. You've got your, and certainly with like the print on demands now, there's the, you've got your, your paperback, your hardback versions. You can even get into audio um, files and have the ISBNs for each of those. It's just an easier way to do it. So certainly the steer would be if you're going to, if you're going to get into self-publishing probably protect yourself so get your own um, company so you can publish it under which is pretty straightforward as well as your own isbns that would probably be the steam yeah no that's amazing advice there so you're obviously writer publisher uh, and you know when you do it yourself you do everything yourself so you're you're marketer as well how have you found marketing the books everyone always thinks this is the you know i mean they're all sort of hard steps aren't they (laughs) the writing the the publishing and now the marketing (laughs) how have you found that It's, (laughs) it's been fun um i think the any any kind of muscle that you're exercising for the first time is is going to be sore and not going to be as effective as you think it may be from the get-go so similar to mid-journey what I had started to do was to create a bit of an AI movie that goes along with the, the books themselves that's cool um and so each paragraph I kind of put into mid-journey to generate an image and then it was like a, 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 a almost like a comic book kind of movie in that you, the image has changed as the as the story kind of progressed and I had kind of grand plans of doing the whole book which is about nine hours uh, in length into <laughs> mid journey wow. um, and no one really cares um, <laughs> about that um, I, I liked it I still think it's a cool idea but certainly the uh, effort that was putting into it and the output that I was getting wasn't really a good yeah. <laughs> uh, a good balance. And it's something that I want to pick up again. Um, I've certainly I've managed to find some connections to people who can do it a lot better than I can. And uh, what the steer I've gotten from connecting to, to some people already is people connect to people. They don't connect to AI characters and, and, and images. So putting myself front and centre I think has been the best way to promote the books in that I can give insights around, you know, these are the 10 movies that influence this book the most or the 10 books, or this is my kind of writing process, or I I recently forecast out how long I would, how old I would be if I took 21 years to write the subsequent books in my series and I think I think I think I was I was if I if I did 21 years from now a forecast out by the time I release the sixth I will be 140 so I need to get I need to get a little bit of a wiggle on to to get that done so I think yeah certainly the marketing aspect is is fun and it's probably it's one that as sales if if I'm fortunate enough to 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 generate more as as things progress I'd like to feed them back into the machine to kind of proceed upwards and mm. do more cool things with it because because I've got a lot of cool themes that I can kind of play around with it's 
and it's similar to a lot of um, a lot of what kind of marketing does is that you test and you try a lot of different things, right? So you can do you can run different advertisements through like Facebook ads or Amazon ads or Google ads or, or or lots of different places on TikTok to see what resonates and see what works and see what doesn't work and just try lots of different stuff. That's that in and of itself is fun because it's, it's something that I'm not familiar with. But to learn about it, I think, is a really valuable skill set in that you can learn to sell yourself and your associated products that you might have. Because nine times out of ten, people are on social media to sell something, right? You're either selling yourself or you might have something that you're connected to that you might be affiliated with, right? You're like, this is cool. I think this is interesting here. You can learn more about it here, X, Y, and Z. If to learn about that and, and I think to educate myself about that and to get better at that is something fun. So, so that I can loop all the way back and make my AI movie. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> because that's something I'm like, I don't care if no one likes this. I think this is cool and I would like to see it. And it's like, if I can find, you know, they, they talk about the 1000 true fans. If you can find yeah. those, those people um, who think, that is also cool, then then that's enough. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right there. You know, it, people think of marketing and they're quite scared of it. But if you have fun with it and you're creative have and fun. you find, find what works best for you as well, and like you said, test, trial and error, it's all all relative in the, the writing publishing field, isn't it? <laughs> absolutely. You just have a, have a student mind to it of like, it's okay if I don't get it right, just try again. Like yeah. just, just try something different. You don't, don't get stuck. And don't get upset if the first idea doesn't work. Just try something Just different. Going, Change yeah. it up. Keep going. That's yeah. it. It's it's the same core principle of of the um of the writing style. If you do it consistently, consistency and focus will get you places you never thought possible. Mm, no, I absolutely love that. Well, that is amazing, Alex. You shared so much uh, with us today, and we can't thank you enough for your time and expertise. Can you tell us where we can, you know, start our our journey with your books and <laughs> and, and and tuning into you wherever you are? <laughs> sure. Um, so if you go to theprismhexology.com, that has all links to where you can find the books, as well as all my socials where I'm. Am I on YouTube, Insta, Twitter, uh, TikTok, which is fun for everything <laughs> into that world? I'm slightly old for that platform, but that's fine. Uh, Pinterest, Facebook, the likes of. So I'm I'm kind of playing around with the marketing of each of those as they evolve. But yeah, to to pick up the books and the, and the subsequent books, yeah, prisonhexology.com. That's amazing. Well, thanks again, Alex, for your time. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. So there you have it, folks, the truly original musings of Alex Holland. And if sci-fi and fantasy are your thing, head on over to his site and check out his books. Next time on the Hybrid Author Podcast, it's that time again. We have an almost mid-year mashup of past guests. Can you believe it? Halfway through the year already. It's been madness. And uh, we've had some amazing people on the podcast. And I really hope what I've been putting out there, creating, producing, sharing with you, have helped you further in your author career. It certainly helped me. There's a mashup on its way next week. And I also wish you well in your author adventure this next week. That's it from me. Bye for now.
That's the end for now, authors. I hope you are further forward in your author adventure after listening, and I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.